the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Healthcare Now, paid for by Integrated Physician Network. This program is recorded to air at this time. Welcome to Healthcare Now with your hosts, Larry Jones and Dr. Mark Shayat. Want to become an educated healthcare consumer? Then join our discussion about all things healthcare and understand how to navigate our complex U.S. healthcare system. Now, let's join our hosts in the Healthcare Now studios. Welcome to Healthcare Now. I'm Dr. Mark. I'm here with Larry Jones, and we are ready to talk healthcare, Larry. Good evening, Dr. Mark. Great to be with you again. You as well. You as well. And here we are in the middle of uh, all across the country, week by week, we've got some spring breaks rolling. Yes. Florida's had, uh, I guess we're on week two of the series. I know people right. have it sort of divided up here and there. And did you see a little bit about what happened down in Fort Lauderdale with the fentanyl? No, tell me. Oh, yeah, they had some overdose drugs. I think one person died. No way, yeah. Uh, and they're really cracking down in the Fort Lauderdale area over the spring break thing. Well, I tell you, the whole... All, Reminds all the me of the 70s, packed. Dr. Mark. <laughs> <laughs> if you can remember the 70s, you're <laughs> doing right. pretty well. You're doing pretty well. No, it's going to be crowded, and, and as yep. that crowd picks up, everybody sort of has to go back to the, gee, are we going to see uh, more issues with covid we haven't seen a lot of a lot of things happen here in the U.S. No. Uh, um, overseas, there have been some uh, reports of concerns, and in China specifically, uh, but we haven't seen haven't seen much going on. But that no. doesn't that doesn't stop the uh, news, the FDA, and the uh, right. vaccine right. companies, right? right? Right. We've had a few few announcements. You can you can pick those up. Yeah, the FDA approved remdesivir to treat high risk outpatients with right. COVID-19, and that had not been done before, Dr. Mark. No, they were using it yeah. as inpatients for right. a while, mm-hmm. and and you know, they actually got pretty good results. Right. But uh, outpatient care, I mean, I don't know that it's a, a big deal as far as what needs to be done. I think they were doing just inpatient just because of right. volumes, right. not because there was any problem with the medication. Well, so that, that came up. Yeah, it's an antiviral drug which carries the brand name Vecluri, V-E-K-L-U-R-Y, and it's already approved for inpatients, but now it's being used for people over the age of 12 that weigh over 88 pounds at high risk of developing severe COVID ID in outpatient facilities. Right. So are they doing it not preemptively? They're doing it to treat so treat the high risk folks. Okay, Correct. so they're doing it preemptively. Yes. So uh-huh. if, if they if they think they have any symptoms, what's uh, what's the indicator that they that they actually take it, I wonder. We'll have to we'll have to look into that. Yeah. Well, it says that FDA said that remdesivir, this outpatient procedure, is not a substitute for vaccinations and boosters, but the drug will booster the arsenal of therapeutics to help treat uh, high risk patients. Right. So and yeah. maybe even this new omni. Uh, um, sub variant. Yeah, uh, well, so I heard there. them call it the uh, Omicron that that. B2 again. B2, yeah. And, mm-hmm. and so, well, so we, we saw B1, 2, and 3 were already evaluated. And this is sort of where the, the data gets crazy because first we heard the 
Delta Omicron hybrid, which didn't make any sense. Right. And now what looks like is uh, kicking up in China especially is this B2. Yes. Which they identified the same time they identified Omicron mm-hmm. that we heard about. It was just that one was the one that took, yeah. took heart. Well, the B2, I think I saw in the news last night that it has actually been indicated in seven states. Mm-hmm. But 33 states that were checked had no Omicron B2 at this time. Yep. So, so we'll yep. see where yep. the numbers go. Yep. But they, there was definitely not any data when, we, when they first discovered it. So this is going to be the first right. time that we see some data right. that is connected to it. But along those lines, we were just mm-hmm. talking, I think it was last week, about how the companies were pushing for the first dose, but there weren't, wasn't any data. And we weren't looking at the Israeli data. Well, they're right. finally talking about some of the Israeli data. Yes, so in Israel, a new study with 1.1 million subjects suggested mm-hmm. that if they got that second booster, or right. or if you were, they were looking at the at the uh, Pfizer BioNTech. So right. that's right. the fourth shot. Yes, that it actually did decrease the chance of severe illness over people who had just gotten three doses. Right, and you had indicated, I think, either last show or the show before that, that why weren't the FDA and the CDC looking at some of these Israeli studies because right. they were adaptive to the U.S. Yeah, they def- it's definitely information yeah. that we can use. They're right. using the right. same vaccine. Right. You know, I've got you know the population similarities, and yeah, they really mm-hmm. they've looked at it for everything else. So I figured it it was just a bit of a, a lag time, right? And so that sort of cleared up our concerns that we are were we looking at discussions that were just about selling vaccines or are we looking at some data so it looks like we've got some data now and i'm you know i'm i'm not sure where to go with it yeah you know because you have to again balance risk and reward right risk is low but if we don't think that you're you're going to see a lot of these cases yeah. what are we what are we fighting against it's kind of like getting Possibly like getting a flu shot when it's not flu season. Right. I mean, is it a ridiculous exactly. idea? So I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm still well, on the you fence. Know, to add to that, if you recall, Moderna just came out with a publication stating that their under five uh, drug, which is one fourth the dose right. vaccine, is actually created no side effects for children. Yep. But, but it goes right back to what you've been yeah, saying day right. day one. What do they need? Do they really need it? Yeah, because yeah. we talk about risk and reward. We mm-hmm. also should talk about the economics. Right. So even if there was zero risk, if there's not considerable reward, there's still a cost involved. Right. And so no we don't question. we don't need to yep. you know we don't need to push the envelope there. But yeah, yeah again, a little bit a little bit of time. Just we just had one week pass, right? right? And we got new information. Yes. And that's been yeah. the story of this entire pandemic. As we learn so much week after week. We need to have a little bit of patience, you know, before we jump, exactly. jump right in with both exactly. feet. Well, you know, we talked about that fourth uh, or fourth the dose. second second, second uh, booster. Vac- booster. Yeah, no, yeah. Fourth dose, fourth second dose, booster. Second yeah. booster, it's all the yeah, same. Yeah, that's right. And you wondered, is that just a marketing ploy by Pfizer? Right, you know? right. And and who knows? Maybe it was. Yeah. Maybe they were looking well, at the data. According to the Israel study, it isn't. Well, yeah, right, yeah, right. Yeah. Well, oh, it doesn't mean it wasn't. It just means that they were right. They got well, lucky. that's true. That's true. That's true. <laughs> so, yeah. You know, but, speaking of the coronavirus, uh, I don't know if any our listeners were aware that there was a coronavirus White House coordinator, czar, that has been in place for 14 months since Biden has been president. Right. Jeffrey Zeitz. Yeah. Jeffrey Zintz. Or Zintz. Yeah. Evidently, they have replaced him now with Dr. Ashish Jha. 
And yeah. if you remember, he's oh, yeah. a dean of Brown University School of Public Health. Oh yeah, he's he's amazing. I've he's been I, we, on, he's we've been talked on about him on, everywhere. Yeah, we've yeah. talked about yep. him on the show. Yep. Yep. He is so wonderfully spoken, really yes. thoughtful. I look forward to uh, to hearing from him. Um, although, uh, Mister Doctor Zentz, I don't recall ever. Right? I mean, maybe I heard. He, I just didn't put the name and the person yeah. together, but I'm not familiar with yeah. him. Well, Whereas Dr. Jaw, I'm going to know. Right. Well, jo- Dr. Jaw actually has been a strong advocate for expanding global access to vaccines, mm-hmm. but also he was co-chair of the International Commission on the Global Response to the Ebola oh, yeah. no, outbreak. That's, absolutely. That's where you, yeah. you first we first heard about him. Right. I right. mean, he was certainly has been in, in the business and a, really a well-known a physician and public health expert right. for years, but yeah, I think people are going to enjoy hearing from him. Yeah. He just has a a really clear way to explain things, he and does. I really, really have enjoyed the information that I've received. Uh, you see him on a lot of uh, the different broadcasts, right? You know, and I think he's bringing a little different uh, piece to this whole pandemic. You know, with over seventy five percent of Americans have already had one dose of COVID vaccine. His focus is going to be on a federal response that turns to a long-term public health effort than a crisis requiring rapid government action. Right. And, and I thought that's very interesting. Yeah, and if I'm not mistaken, I think you know, he was one of the proponents of, of something is coming and yes. we need to prepare yeah. for it. Mm-hmm. And so I think we'll get we'll get more of the same there. Yeah. So that that'll be that'll be positive. No, yeah, I am well, I'm, I am looking forward to that. Wish Dr. Dr. Ja the best. Absolutely. Yep. I don't know. I don't know he's, he may be too big for us to get him on the show now. I mean, I think we had a chance. We did, but now if he's tied down to, uh, I don't know. Otherwise. He seems to go on every network that. Uh, yeah, they yeah. ask him to show up. That's on. true. That's true. I guess we, I, I guess it can't hurt to ask. Have him on healthcare now. Yep, absolutely. Could, I think that would be a, a an hour of amazing information. That's yeah. for sure. Speaking of uh, continued pandemic efforts, during uh, the last two years, it's been indicated that there's been over a hundred million dollars in fraud in these pandemic relief payments, 20 million of that came out of California alone. Really? And so now the justice department has announced that associate De- deputy attorney, uh, Kevin chambers is going to head up this fraud enforcement to try and crack down on some of these, uh, COVID related fraud events. Oh, really? On. So yeah. then that's now are they, is he focusing in te- is that nationwide? Nationwide. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, that's going to be when, whenever there is any type of excitement, any type of, yep. you know, whether whether it's a natural disaster or in right. the, indeed a pandemic, we are we're seeing right. a lot of fraud. And yep. it was a big push when cash was going out. I mean, it was yeah. it was yep. there were some blank checks. We had yep. some issues uh, right here in central Florida where somebody was claiming all sorts of uh, payroll protection monies and didn't have any businesses exactly so so yeah. it's definitely that's not, and, not and really fact, too much the paycheck of a surprise. protection program is part of that oh yeah relief that they're looking at oh, i'm sure yeah. that's a large yeah. part of it because yeah. that was mm-hmm. that was some of the uh the yeah. biggest dollars that got spent yep and you know you you lead right into something my doc dr mark that i think we want to talk about the health care boom in this region right here in central what florida our, yeah in central florida but i think it's interesting too that one of the comments that was made in the editorial that the hospital systems had a net operating loss during the last year, mm-hmm. but because of the COVID relief money, they actually made a profit. Of course they did. Is that I, crazy? I, I would, I would yeah. be amazed if, if that was reported yeah. in any other fact. Exactly. Yeah, any other fact. But you're so. not going to see that, but in the small print. Right. 
Yeah. Right. But, well, yeah, we yeah. should jump on this. we got a couple of minutes in this segment. Yep. So as, as we've said before, we've got three major hospital yep. groups. Why don't you here, go through here, their, here on their Orlando, growth? Yeah. On their growth. Mm-hmm. And so we can start with Advent Health. And Advent currently has more than 20 hospitals mm-hmm. and ERs in the surrounding metro Orlando area. Right. And it is talking about doing things like, well, pretty soon the uh, Advent Health Training Center down yep. by, by the magic there, a yep. $70 million center. $70 with, million. Yep, 130,000 yeah. square feet. That should be uh, just about done. And that's over there right by the mm-hmm. Amway. So that's okay. going to be interesting. But that's not all they're doing. I mean, no. they're, they're really building a lot of other... A lot of other things. There's a 12-story, 300-square-foot tower that's going to open in 2020 that is going to have outpatient centers, work, and a range of outpatient yeah. services. The, the building, That's a $100 million building. Yeah, $100 million building. <laughs> it's also going to be where we're going to see the that new group, the Rothman Orthopedic Institute. So that's going to be their main offices. And the okay. Orlando Neurosurgery. So the, the right. building, the way I understand, I was just talking mm-hmm. to one of the anesthesiologists yesterday about what they expected all that to look like. And they said, well, it's going to be, you know, mostly orthopedics at this point right. and some, some neurosurgery, right. but it's, it's going to be a huge deal. Well, that's probably in response to Orlando Health buying Jewett. I would say it, it is, yeah. although the timing... Is interesting. It is, but yeah, there's definitely, yeah. Uh, definitely some competition both, both, going both teams on there. Going, yeah. going after their yeah. their orthopedic side. Right. And speaking of Orlando Health, mm-hmm. so Orlando Health, it's one of the fastest growing areas. You know, or they they, mm-hmm. they recognize that Central Florida is one of the fastest growing areas in the state, and so they're expanding as well, Larry. Yeah, I mean they they've got hospitals going up and they've got the ERs going up just to compete and not to be left behind. Right. HCA Healthcare, or I guess it's HCA Florida Healthcare. HCA Healthcare Florida. Yep. Yeah. So they have yeah. 49 hospitals and more than 450 affiliated sites in, 450 in Florida. 450 sites. Well, they, they bought a lot of those outpatient uh, and urgent cl- care clinics just recently. Yeah. And in other markets, they have a lot of physician organizations. Oh, sure. Not in Orlando, but right. like down in Port St. Lucie, they have a huge physician. Group. I mean, they're the, they're the country's largest yeah. hospital system. So right. they've got, I believe they've got like 189 units yep nationwide yep so well, you know like they they just built the lake nona ucf hospital right right and now they're fixing to put up a 90 bed hospital up in the villages yep yep so that yep. which and there's plenty of competition out there already yep. so you before we go to break i mean we just wanted to talk a little bit yep. about what what was up with covid right. and what's up in central florida right. uh what are we going to talk about when we get back Yeah. well i want to sum up all this growth with the hospital and the large health systems when we come back dr martin you're listening to Healthcare Now, the truth about U.S. healthcare. Our website is healthcarenow.us. You can email us at follow us at healthcarenow.us. But Dr. Mark will be right back. Absolutely. We'll be right back. You're listening to Healthcare Now, the truth about U.S. healthcare. We're going to a break, and when we come back, we'll continue our discussion on all things healthcare with Dr. Mark and Larry. Integrated Independent Physicians Network, preserving and protecting the independent practice of medicine since 2015. Join the movement with us, ipnetworkflorida.com. Navigate the healthcare process like never before. Due to popular demand, Healthcare Now is also airing on Thursday evenings at 7 p.m. Join me, Larry Jones, and Dr. Mark on Healthcare Now, Thursdays at 7 p.m. and Saturdays at 1. AM 950, FM 94.9, The Answer, and at theanswerorlando.com. 
Take The Answer with you wherever you go. TheAnswerOrlando.com. Tune in. iHeart and Odyssey.com. News, opinion, passion. On the go. AM 950, FM 94.9. The Answer. Welcome back to Healthcare Now, the truth about U.S. healthcare. And now let's head back into the Healthcare Now studios with Dr. Mark and Larry. Welcome back to Healthcare Now. I'm Dr. Mark. I'm here with Larry Jones. And we're going to, excuse me, Larry, we're going to uh, talk a little bit about finish, finishing up that, that Central Florida healthcare growth. Yeah. yeah, you know, it was interesting that all the things that you went through on that, millions and millions of dollars in health system growth. Yes. Is yes. that just an opportunity to continue to exploit patients and consumers with facility fees, Dr. Mark? Well, I think it's it's a result of the fact that there are monies out there. Yes. So we have nonprofit hospitals. ACA is not a nonprofit hospital. It's That's for right. profit. That's right. But we have nonprofit hospitals, and if they have monies, they can spend them to expand. Yep. Yep. So that, that doesn't count as, you know, profit. So I think that's a, a big part of it. I also would say that Central Florida is growing more than probably anywhere in the country. It's crazy how um, these health systems are expanding. Well, I mean, just the, the people, just the, yep. the, our population continues to grow. And, you know, back in the late 90s, early 2000s, we had a huge growth phase. And it didn't really drop off tremendously, but it slowly right. went right. down. But now after the pandemic, we're seeing people it's move just, to Florida at a clip yeah. that we can't keep right. up with. And not only that, you're seeing not only these, these ancillary facilities mm-hmm. like urgent care, ER, freestanding ER, yep. even new hospitals, imaging, Spine Center, you mentioned Cancer Center. Right. We're also seeing large physician office complexes popping up. Yep, which we haven't seen for a long time. That's right. So, I mean, there's no question there are dollars that are being fished for, and there's serious competition in this this city. And when you look at other moderate and large-sized cities, I mean, things have gone in different directions. Usually Mm -hmm. there's one dominant player – Right. That sort of takes That's over right. the whole playing field. You got so, two here. So we got two here and, really and, and HCA. Right? AC coming yeah. on strong. Right. Yeah. So yeah. so it is. It's always been an interesting market here in Orlando. And I think it's for the better when it comes to competition for great health care and bringing in, you know, great providers because they look at this yeah. like, well, you know, if, if one if one facility has it, you know, it's the it's the CVS Walgreens of uh yep. of healthcare. We're going to talk about Walgreens in a few Yeah, minutes. we are going to talk about yeah, them in, yeah. for in a different light. But but yeah, I think there's a a lot of things going on there, but clearly so, so Dr. Mark, what does all this building do to our independent physicians who really in my opinion is the answer to reducing long-term oh, yeah. healthcare no, costs? We we're we're working completely separate of that process. Right. That 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 is the antithesis of of what we're doing. Uh, and certainly we need hospital beds. We've talked yep. about this all Without the time, yep. but fewer and fewer hospital beds would be by percentage of population or, you know, would be your, your goal. Right. You'd, you'd right. hope for more outpatient care that kept people out of the hospital. Yeah. Uh, but as it stands, it's really just population growth yeah. and people don't want to drive very far to go to their hospital. I think that's neighborhood health care. That's right. Neighborhood health care, even yep. in, in the big city. And so if you've got one of the, one of the big players, moves out to an area, say like a Lake Nona. Right. Well, both the other players want to be there. That's right. Because they are going to lose brand. And they are. Oh, and they are that's moving exact. there. Yeah. And so you could argue that that might be Take the horizon o- over, over on the west side. Right. I call it Lake everybody. Nona West. Yeah. yeah. Over there off of uh, 429. Right. 
Right, and everybody, everybody everybody's yeah. talked yeah. about you know whether they were going to do freestanding ERs or right. full. Well, full Orlando hospitals. Health's already built a hospital, hospital in out there. there. Yeah. Yep. yeah, yeah. That was sort of the discussion when HCA was talking about the hospital in Lake Nona. Mm-hmm. Um, Orlando Health already had that plan in place. Right. For just a few miles away. Right, right. So so a lot of it, I think, you know, is is that kind of competition. And it's going to get to a point where two hospitals, you know, what, you go down to Osceola, uh, Osceola Regional, yep. and you can see Florida Hospital's Advent print or, from the Absolutely. parking lot. It's Absolutely. right there. Yep. So you got to wonder, you know, what's what what is the limitation yep. there? And certainly right now with hospitals losing all sorts of money on on one side of the spreadsheet right. but gaining it all back with with the yep. uh, the government support yep. they're still making money they're still showing their right. coffers growing yeah and then the one thing we didn't talk about with all this growth and boom in healthcare particularly in our region mm-hmm. is the health systems getting into hospital at home and home care sure they're all buying health hospital at home systems, they're putting doctors and nurses and diagnostic facilities all in the home. Right. Uh, you're, you're right. Neighborhood health is yep. here to stay. It is. And make make no mistake, the hospital systems are medical delivery systems. Right. And they are going to have their hands deep in everything that we've talked about, everything we talk about on this show, outpatient care, home care, inpatient care, uh, telehealth. They're going to be involved in all of those things, Larry. Right, and right. and the only part that the independent physician has trouble getting involved in would be these big structures, the right. big physical mass, because you know you're, the you're acute not, you're not, facilities, yeah, yeah which yeah. which take up a lot of space, a lot of construction, a lot right. of investment. Right. So they don't have the money to to do that, and the hospitals do. So the hospitals are going to be doing it all. Yeah. There's there's no no question. I mean, and yeah. and it makes sense, right? They're they're hedging their bets, right? And and they haven't been that way in the past. The hospitals have sort True. of said, "Listen, outpatient care, meh, don't don't need to do it. We're, right. we're the hospital. We got to now. They right. are a huge competitors in that yep. field, yep. and that honestly, you know, creates some challenges for the independent physician yep. as well. Well, I think these large, uh, this large boom in healthcare, it, it creates two things that I, that are of concern to me as a physician advocate for independent health uh, phys- physician providers, and that's one abusive utilization." Mm-hmm. And number sure. two, referrals that don't go to independent physicians, which end up costing the patient and the family a whole lot more money out yeah, of pocket. No question. No question. Those are the issues. And and until yeah. the payers step in sure. and create some demands here. Yep. Now, they did, like United stepped in and said, yep. need to go to outpatient surgery centers. But the response was hospitals building outpatient surgery right. centers. Right. The, st- the numbers are still balanced towards the independents. Yes. But, but it's definitely out there. And I can see... If that model works, the hospital system is going in and gobbling yeah. up some of those existing outpatient yeah. surgery centers. Right. So it is. It's it's the cash is king, and yep. and yep. and things are going to happen. So we're gonna yeah. we're gonna have to uh, you know help our physicians kind of storm this this weather. But that's that's the way it's always right. been. Well, you and you mentioned something earlier. You know, you, several years ago there was a big boom for hospitals to buy every physician practice they yes. could find. Right, but yet. Then they said, well, we only need the ones that we can't supply physicians at the inpatient facility level, so we'll only purchase them. But now it's gone crazy and the cats, the you know, the horse is out of the barn. Yeah. No, I think that, that that's a, something that happens in waves, you know, ebbs and flows of, of physician ownership. And it's happened, I, I say, I got here in 1997. Mm-hmm. We've had 
three or four different waves where it's right. gone in and out. So that's that's going to continue to play. Yep. But now with the hospital systems getting into that outpatient realm, that that could actually tip the scales. I mean, yep. it, depending on if they can handle the volumes. Now, I would also argue that the hospital-based physicians that are getting the referrals in from the outpatient centers, yep. they'll, they'll be overwhelmed at some point. Exactly. And so they're still, I think, I think they still, already yeah. are. Well, you know, and, yeah. and their productivity's not at the level that we're seeing on the independent guys. So, yeah. so that that's going to become the, the rate limiting step that the hospital administrators are not necessarily able to plan for. Okay. Well, let me ask you this as a, and I don't mean to put you on the spot cause we didn't really plan this conversation, but as a Dean of the FSU college of medicine, Orlando campus, what message do you give your uh, late medical students as to how to decide what their path wants to be going forward? Do you get into that at all? Yeah, we do. But Larry, they have mm-hmm. so much going on at this point. So we've got third and fourth year medical students that are right. trying to figure out what they want to do with their lives. And right. then where do they want to go to residency? They're going to learn by example. Okay. And and I, we talk about the different opportunities and they are very, very interested, mm-hmm. but the reality is they've got so much going on that they're really going to learn by example in that last place that they are when they're in residency or mm-hmm. in fellowship. The people that they work with are going to be the ones that determine you know how they how they Help handle influence this. them, and, yeah. and it depends on where they want to live because right. you're going to go right. to some right. towns where independent physician groups are large and thriving and you can join one of those groups right off. You're going to mm-hmm. go to other towns that if you're not working for the hospital, you're not going to have a job. Interesting. So, so, yeah. you know, I, I have to say that, that as much as we edge, that's the best we can do is let them know that there are typically options and then they have to weigh it depending on where they are and their, their situation, and their specialty. Yeah. Well, I would think in the Orlando market, there's all kinds of opportunity. You can do in anything everywhere you want in Orlando. Yeah. There's no yeah. question about it. And it's very easy for me to discuss what those opportunities look like right, here, right, right. but that's Orlando. Mm-hmm. And and every every city that you go to is going to have some play on that. You know, we talk to independent physician groups in other states and their mm-hmm. challenges, many are the same. Right. But but then there'll be other challenges yeah. that either they, they don't face. Right. Um, it, it depends a lot. It's really the history of the town, isn't it, Larry? Right. I mean it's right. not right. it's not that one system if one system worked everywhere, then one system yeah. would work and everywhere. And you and I have both been in the Orlando market for a long time. Yep, yep. yep. So, yeah, I feel yep. like, I mean, you'd have to travel and spend time in a place to really get to know it, right. whether you can say what, what the what the market right. is and how it would fare for someone who was who wanted to open an independent practice. Yeah, you know, it's interesting. Every month I probably get a call from one of our existing independent physician groups right. saying, I want to hire a physician or I need a partner. Mm-hmm. And as you know, we've talked about that numerous times. Sure. 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 Continued growth in this Continu- market. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And then it becomes, you know, if, if this, if you're competing with the hospital to attract a new trainee, that's rough yep. because the hospital can afford to float their salary yep. for a few years. Whereas a private practice, a small, pri- large private practices, yep. they, they do better and pay off some of their student yep. loans, right. all kinds of things. Sure. Sure. Yeah. So, so I would say that, you know, it's, it's going to independent physicians are going to do a lot better in groups where they can start to act more like financial groups right. that can plan right. ahead. Right. You know, you know, Larry, when, when you buy a condominium, you pay into a fund, a reserve fund to make sure that in 12 years you can paint the place and 15 right. years you got right. to do the roof. Right. You don't do that as a homeowner, right? That's I mean, right. you can, you sure could, but that's not typically how you no. operate. 
All so, you do so, is escrow your taxes and insurance. Right. So in, an independent it, yeah. physician is working to take care of his practice. But if the practice gets big enough, they can start putting some reserve dollars mm-hmm. aside and then hiring with those dollars. Right. And there's other financial institutions that will back them and that will actually yeah. make it possible for them to make those kinds of offers to, to a physician yeah. and bring them in. So it's not all for naught. I think it's going to be very, very difficult to see a lot of solo or two doctor shops mm-hmm. that keep going. They need to be bigger. Right. And, and I think the, that's the part of it. The multi-specialty groups. Yep. yep. Well, you know, too, we've talked about in the past that a significant number of physicians are in that 50 to 65 age group yep. where they're going to be retiring in the next seven to 10 years. Right, right. And I, my hope would be that a many of these groups attract these students coming out of fellowship and residency. Yeah, they can do them it. And to get them to continue their I mean, practice. they have to be committed to the idea, and I think they could probably sell it. Well, that was, you know, I, we weren't even going to go there, but I that know. was a good conversation, good conversation about, yeah. about the growth. Yeah. When we get back, I think we should uh, talk a little bit about some of the uh, lawsuits going on across yep. the country. we got for, a couple going on. Yeah, yep. a couple of interesting and things. And we're also we'll going to talk a little bit more, as we indicated last week, about health equity. You're listening to Healthcare Now, the truth about U.S. healthcare. Our website is healthcarenow.us. You can email us at follow us at healthcarenow.us. The Dr. Mark will be right back. Sounds great. We'll be right back. You're listening to Healthcare Now, the truth about U.S. healthcare. We're going to a break, and when we come back, we'll continue our discussion on all things healthcare with Dr. Mark and Larry. The Integrated Independent Physicians Network, preserving and protecting the independent practice of medicine since 2015. Join the movement with us, ipnetworkflorida.com. Navigate the healthcare process like never before. Due to popular demand, Healthcare Now is also airing on Thursday evenings at 7 p.m. Join me, Larry Jones, and Dr. Mark on Healthcare Now, Thursdays at 7 p.m. and Saturdays at 1. AM 950, FM 94.9, The Answer, and at TheAnswerOrlando.com. Take The Answer with you wherever you go. TheAnswerOrlando.com. Tune in, iHeart, and Odyssey.com. News, opinion, passion on the go. AM 950, FM 94.9, The Answer. Welcome back to Healthcare Now, the truth about U.S. healthcare. And now let's head back into the Healthcare Now studios with Dr. Mark and Larry. Welcome back to Healthcare Now. I'm Dr. Mark. I'm here with Larry Jones, and uh, we finished up a little discussion about practice development, in a sense. That was and, a great uh, discussion, yeah, it was, Dr. Yeah, Mark. it was kind of yep. impromptu, but it, I, yep. hope, I hope the uh, listeners liked it. Yep. And we're going to go on to talk about some interesting stuff. We yep. talked about the surprise billing. Yes. And so there was a uh, a big win for Texas physicians yes. in court in in uh, over this yeah. idea. Over, yeah, mainly over radiologists. Yep. Yeah, well, what, what the dispute was that... They believe that through the Texas Medical Association, they put a lawsuit against the Biden administration and this surprise billing ban in the U.S. District Court. And the whole uh, judge, Judge Kernoodle, agreed that the dispute resolution process detailed that in the surprise billing final rule that it violated the Administrative Procedure Act governing the process by which federal rules can be governed. See, this is why I'm not a judge. I know. Yeah, I mean that yeah. just 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 that that two sentences there kind of works it out. Yeah. But but so the so the Texas docs sued the feds. Yep. Uh, they charged that the administration failed to follow congressional intent. Right. And it's 
interim final rule right. spelling out how it would settle these quarrels. Yep. And lawmakers recommended that they uh, they go into a robust dispute resolution process. Yep. Right. And that could take these these factors into account. Right. But the medical association believes that that, that it's too much on getting making them qualify the that uh, qualifying payment right. amount. You know, and, and which it, is all set by the insurance yeah, company. So, so if it's, it's set exactly by the insurance, right. it yeah. is what it yeah. is. Right. And so that's going to be part of the argument coming back. Yep. So I don't know that outcome is going to be interesting, but the uh, yep. the American College of Radiology is is picking yep. up that fight as well. They are. I don't think it's going to impact where the Surprise Billing Act actually in the law went to. No. But if you recall, uh, it certainly will help in the way of co-pays and deductibles and co-insurance for patients. Right, right, right. But I thought this was interesting. Yeah, and, well, you and would it, have to follow along and see where yeah. that goes. And and I do know that because I one of our other business partners is a radiologist, radiology in the independent sector is being hit so hard by re- reductions in CPT code reimbursement that this is probably just a spinoff of that. Yeah, just just looking at other ways to yeah, stay alive. To I mean, try they're, they're to really survive. Yep. Yeah, exactly. No, it's tough. So we were talking earlier about uh, wondering why Blue Cross Blue Shield's drug plan doesn't include Walgreens. Yes. So you, yes. May, you may have figured it out with this yeah. story. Well, the Blues plans sued Walgreens over alleged drug fraud, Dr. Mark. Mm. And the Blues plans across the country on Tuesday, this past t- Tuesday, accused Walgreens of inflating prescription drug prices by submitting false statements and omitting facts about its payment ceilings. Really? Yes. So how does I mean how does that work? So they they put forth they somebody comes in they have a prescription yep. and they're going to get it filled right and so Walgreens is actually upping the cost. Well, here's here's the game they played. Mm-hmm. There is this fee out there called usual and customary charge. Right. Well, that's defined, but then they decided that they were going to start a prescription savings club. And allow cash prices with big discounts, but yet they were continuing to charge the usual and customary to Blue Cross Blue Shield. And it resulted in millions and millions of dollars over the last 10 years, all the way back to 2007. Okay, that's not even complicated. I know. So basically, know. <laughs> I, I'm, they're, get, they're getting the insurance money at 100 bucks, yeah, and then charging the, the client 50 bucks. And right. just keeping the extra. Right. And, and evidently, amazing. they the, the Blue Cross-Walgreens relationship, from what I could tell, and it didn't say that in the article, had some kind of a favored nations clause. Hmm. So if they're charging less to anyone else, they've got to give the Blues those prices. Right, right, right. And so they created this prescription savings club, the PSC, to kind of thinking that they could get around all that. With but, the payers, but they can't. But they're but they oh, they're gonna, uh, they're, they're gonna they're gonna lose big time. Yeah, they're gonna they're gonna yeah. be paying out a, a big yeah. dollars for but that. But you know, I often wondered uh, when you look at a Blue Cross plan, even mm. the supplement and right. the Part D does not include Walgreens in their program. No, I know. I know. Yeah. I was yeah. I was on Blue Cross Blue Shield some years ago and had to had to move out to. Uh, I, you know, I, oh, I you went, did. Yeah, so went, you experienced yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. We did experience it, but yeah. I, I never thought I think I just thought that. Some places, you know, go other places, and and yep. I noticed that. Yep. Uh, so CVS is uh, is Aetna, yes, is Aetna. Yeah, but 
even though they have that their their pharmacy side, right? They're accepted at places like Publix. That's correct. And so yep. I guess they that's just right. if the deals are the same, they yep. they agree to agree to move forward with that. Yep. So that's yep. that's another interesting that Wal we talked about it when we were talking about the hospitals yep. that that Walgreens, CVS, but yep. but if you're going to start seeing these companies own things like Aetna and CVS, you know, CVS yep. owning Aetna. I mean, how's that going to play well, out? Well, I mean, the, you're going to see picture? more and more narrow networks, whether it's health or pharmacy. But people don't like to go no. to different gas stations. Yep. They exactly. don't like to go. That's to, right. I mean, they're going right. to have their thing, that's right. and, and that's going to that's yeah. going to cause some some serious turmoil. Yeah. By and the it, way, speaking of gas stations, I'm glad you brought that up. Have you noticed that most of the Shell stations have turned into Circle K? No, I have not paid any attention to I tried to, to use my Shell gas card, and it said denied. And I look up, and it doesn't say Shell anymore in the station. Oh, really? It's Circle K. Interesting, interesting. I don't know if our listeners have seen some of that going on. Now, we could probably have a listener who could teach us a lot about yeah, that world. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No. But I did I did, uh, I did. did note that the gas prices came down pretty significantly a little bit. this week. Yep. And yep. Uh, let's say we, we'll, we'll stay away from the, the politics of all the right. – all the ugliness going on overseas, but uh, but I guess we're we're not overreacting to it no, like we were initially. So, but you know, Doctor Mark, last week when we finished up, we said that we were going to go back and review uh, health equity and health parity. Yes, and so I want to review. Uh, last week we talked about the Kaiser uh, published report that detailed that significantly lower vaccination vaccination rates for Medicaid compared to the general population. Yep. And again, that's all about health equity and health parity. But there were various reasons cited that contributed to this, not just vaccinations, but it also included uh, misconceptions about COVID and the pandemic and the vaccines as well. Yep. And they think, you know, it can do with, you know, education. Yep. It can do right. with, you know, when all these studies come out, they, they're pretty much common sense. Yep. Right. But yep. we need to detail yep. them because there's so many deniers out there. Right. And so, the, I mean, this is why yep. I like to see and the data come out because right. exactly for that, because you can look when you talk to a physician about it. If you say things like, well, you know, my cancellation rate is greater amongst this group. And, and right. of course it is. Right. But you have to show that and get the data there to make it clear. And then that that gives us a better push to see how we can cure things. Yeah, The American Medical Association, after this Kaiser review came out, actually released a new toolkit yep. with five steps, and they claim to achieve racial and health equity. But before we get into these steps, Dr. Mark, there was a couple of comments made that they felt that in this report that the people that were surveyed felt that there was racism in medicine. You want to talk to that, Dr. Mark? Well, I mean, there there is. I mean, there's there's different biases that but people have. But is it have. racism or is it health inequity? No, it's racism. It's racism. Okay. It's, okay. I mean, cause, because it's it can often be very, you know, not not covert. It's not like they're hiding mm-hmm. it, but it's a way a way of behavior that we we see in okay. healthcare, and part of it is in the teaching that people will will take it back to when we look at a disease state. We'll mm-hmm. say, well, you know, this is more common in this racial group, and right. and right. the reality right. is, is it's that's science, right? But if you don't pay attention to how you treat people, if you then walk into a room yep. and set your expectations on, oh, well, they're more likely to have this, this, and this. That's not how it was. It was meant to be used, right? But right? see, the thing that hit me on that is, I don't care if you're green, orange, or purple. If you walk into an ER, you're going to get triaged. 
Well, I, there would be there, people. There'll be there'll be people that would argue that that that's not necessarily the case. That it doesn't happen. That's what health inequities are all about. Right. So that is part. I mean, health inequities are part of racism. I mean, yeah. They're, they're, okay. They're part and parcel. Yeah. And a lot of it are different. I guess terms. I just didn't take it to that level. Yeah. You know, everything in the world isn't racist. No. Well, but well, but some but people, some think people, it is. yeah. Well, <laughs> well, some people could, you could make an argument that it, it, it is, it just depends on how far you, could, you want to go. You right. Could, yeah. But I think yeah. there's some good studies that demonstrate the way we're trained. I mean, when, when you look at the, 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 the majority of physicians mm-hmm. and what their racial makeup is right. and what their gender makeup is okay. has, has changed over the last 30 years or 50 years. Mm-hmm. And it's gone from, 99% Caucasian males right. to a mix. And so there's there's been that gradual a significant change. significant mix. Yeah. yeah. So so the idea is has healthcare made the same changes as you. as healthcare okay. deliverers. Well, you're educating me a little bit here, Dr. Mark. Well, I mean, hey, that's that's a you talked about putting me on the spot before. That's the previous one was easy. Yeah, this, this is, is tough. tough. This is a it, tough it conversation is a tough one because you yep. you really and and when when all these groups are Picking up on health inequities, and that's yeah. why I say it's so obvious when you yeah. look at this. Because because when we talk about Medicaid, we're talking about lower income. Yep. And so no you, question. So you want to yeah. make that jump? Are you then yep. making a state statement about a person's race? Right. Well, you're not trying to, and depending on where in your country yeah. you live, you may be dead wrong. Yep. You know, you may be maybe off, right? But but that's what that's what the healthcare system has done because they they didn't do it in a malicious manner. They're right. just trying right. to right. using descriptors. And I'm not thinking yeah. of it in a malicious manner. Yeah, but you when know, you throw the word racism in, is that's what, that's a bad is. word. Yeah, you yeah. know, it's interesting. The president of the American Medical Association, Dr. Gerald Harmon, actually made this statement: is this tool these toolkits are going to hope to identify, prevent, and eliminate racism in our health system. Right. Well, and I thought that's a pretty strong statement. That's a pretty lofty goal. You know, it I is. told you I heard him speak here in Orlando just right, recently. Right, right. And he's a he's a, a three star Air Force. Is he really? Yeah, yeah. Oh wow. I think okay. Man, yeah. I don't want to get that wrong. But I'm pretty, I know he's I'm fairly sure. new as the president of the AMA. But right. Really, really interesting man. Mm-hmm. Very well spoken. Very, uh, you know, very spirited. And, uh, you know, I don't I there are a lot of things that, that the AMA does that we feel doesn't re, re, represent the opinion of the physicians. The physicians that's right. This one yep. does okay. uh, th- without any yep. any doubt. However, that statements, that's yep. tough, man. You can't say you're going to destroy something that exactly. is so deep because you don't want to say you don't want to turn around and go, hey, we put this toolkit together. Y'all do the rest. Right. Or we right. did this. It's cured now because it's not cured. It is That's an right. ongoing piece. Exactly. It's, it's like treating any cancer. We've got to figure out the right way to do it. And, you know, they come up with a therapeutic agent for cancer yeah. and then they got to figure out, OK, we can we can actually cure some people. But now we got to figure out yep. if the poison is too much and figure right. out how little it's I'm the same. You. It's the same thing here. Yep. We need to address this. Individual by individual, it needs to be taught in the schools. Right. It needs to be carried out, and it's got to be policed. And then we've got to figure out what's too much, right? Exactly. And, and we will what's get it over right. the top. Yeah. Yep. yep. And I'll tell you, we're gonna we're gonna have to jump to the the next segment with this because we yeah, need to go. Just, I want to go over those those five yes. steps in the toolkit when we yes. come back. Yes. And we'll kind of go through them. A lot of them just are common sense and common decency, right. Right. but 
the, having the conversation is where we begin. And to having the focus, I yeah. think, on health equity. No doubt. You're listening to Healthcare Now, the truth about U.S. healthcare. Our website is healthcarenow.us. You can email us at follow us at healthcarenow.us. But Dr. Mark will be right back. You're listening to Healthcare Now, the truth about U.S. healthcare. We're going to a break, and when we come back, we'll continue our discussion on all things healthcare with Dr. Mark and Larry. The Integrated Independent Physicians Network, preserving and protecting the independent practice of medicine since 2015. Join the movement with us, ipnetworkflorida.com. Navigate the healthcare process like never before. Due to popular demand, Healthcare Now is also airing on Thursday evenings at 7 p.m. Join me, Larry Jones, and Dr. Mark on Healthcare Now, Thursdays at 7 p.m. and Saturdays at 1. AM 950, FM 94.9, The Answer, and at TheAnswerOrlando.com. Welcome back to Healthcare Now, the truth about U.S. healthcare. And now let's head back into the Healthcare Now studios with Dr. Mark and Larry. Welcome back to Healthcare Now. I'm Dr. Mark. I'm here with Larry Jones. Larry, we were in the middle of a discussion about healthcare inequities. That was getting a little heavy. It's getting a little heavy, (laughs) but so I think the point that that we were discussing about, you know, is it racism? Is it not? Right. So there's a thing called implicit bias. Okay. Okay. And that's become a a very popular topic in healthcare and and other industries. Mm -hmm. But basically it's that unconscious bias that we have because of how we were raised, how we were taught, what we learned in books, what we learned on TV. Right. So when you walk into a room and you see another human being, you you're not necessarily making a conscious judgment but there's some unconscious things that are going on that you may pay attention implicit more bias, implicit bias. Okay. So, Interesting. so, so you may be, you may be looking for things that you think are going to be there that aren't there, or you might see that they're there and they're not there. Right. And again, not a purposeful issue, but it's still an issue nonetheless. And we think the experts really agree that this mm-hmm. is a huge part of these health inequities. Okay. That is more than just money. And, and, and Even that's important. It may not be a conscious it's, yeah, discrimination. It, 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 yeah. yeah. Not, it may not be an evil, right. purposeful right. thing, but those would argue that if you don't pay attention to address it, it and yep. address it, mm-hmm. that you are, you, you are being bad. Yep. You are being yep. evil, you know? So, well, I, so that's, that's where it sort of comes from. Very, very good, Dr. Mark. In fact, let's jump into what these five uh, toolkit steps are from right. the AMA. Right. And, and the first one falls yep. right into this. Mm-hmm. Leadership's must set up and commit to taking meaningful action. Right. Okay. So, so groups have to sit down and say, you know, we're not just going to talk about this. We're going to define it. We're going to create a plan. We're going to check the plan twice. We're going to, you know, we're going to put it forth and make sure we're doing right. Well, that toolkit emphasizes, emphasizes a two phase path for hospitals and health systems to transform organizational equity goals. Dr. Mark. Well, you're changing the environment. Yeah, You're, it's yeah. it's a yeah. big change, sure. So number two is mm-hmm. traditional organizational approaches to equity can be transformed by commitment to learning. And isn't that what we're talking about? That's here? what we said, and That's I didn't read about. this yeah. first. Yeah, so right. we're talking right. about this has to be taught. It can't be. It's almost like it has to be untaught, right? Because right. it's been taught by example for decades and generations, yeah. and so now it has to be untaught. And so that commitment. And, yep. and and a level of acceptance that that there's a there's a there's a way there's a better understanding 
in racism and medicine right. now, and it's gaining a new perspective. And this right. toolkit, you know, it may it may become part of that. I think people just have these conversations, and we're having this conversation. Right. It's hard to wrap your hands it around. It is hard. Yeah. So the idea is is toolkits like this make make us better yeah. at actually getting something done. Well, let me hit one particular thing when we talk mm-hmm. about commitment to learning. The toolkit. Uh, has sessions in there to explore knowledge gaps regarding health equity and racial equity. Yep, yep, yep. I thought that was interesting. Yep, no, it is. It's because yep. you, you need the data. I mean, most yep. people that are in medicine are data-driven. You know, they've gone through a yep. lot of education. You know, I'm not yep. just talking about doctors, doctors, right, nurses, right. nurse practitioners, PA, everybody. And so you need those numbers, yep. and you need yep. to to – Believe them. Well, you just jumped into the third one, Dr. Mark. Data can illuminate inequities. Yes. And we we look at that in our own book of business that we manage, you know, tens of thousands of patients within our own organization. Sure. Absolutely. Uh, We look at the data every day. Yep. And we don't. And one thing that we do not do Mm -hmm. is we do not look at race as an explanation for anything. That's exactly right. So, So if someone was to take the number of our patients that have diabetes and they were to look at their their, Break their it down. gender, yep. their da- right. they may get some data, but that's not what we're looking at when no. we're looking at outcomes. Yeah. We're not allowing someone to go, oh, they're, they had a bad outcome because that's of right. this. And that's, that, that's, that's where right. you wipe out yeah. the inequities when you say, no, everybody should have the same level of outcome. Right. Yeah. You know? And that's exactly what we're looking at within our clinical team is making sure that the outcomes and the care gaps Right. are filled among all of our patients. Yes, yeah. it, does, it doesn't no matter, matter who they are. It doesn't matter who they are. It doesn't right. matter what their insurance is. Right. You know, and, and that's what's happened. On the flip side, people do all sorts of studies yep. to explain yep. away what is probably only partially responsible for what's going on. Right. All right, what's the next one, Larry? Well, the next one is a clear path towards how to achieve these health equity goals. Right, so there has to be, yeah. because it does get the conversations difficult, and people are like, well, gee, you know, I, I've got to, I got to do my EMR. I got to do this. Yeah. How am I going to yeah. co- concentrate well, on this? And that's exactly what this roadmap that they built in this toolkit, they call it a smart project, S-M-A-R-T, and using specific measurable, achievable, and relevant data to come up with time-bound goals. Yep. Yep. Okay. Yep. So that that's smart. So I know I know yep. our listeners can't see that written down, but that's no. the acronym. That is, is the acronym. That's, that's yeah. cool. Yep. Yep. That's a that's a pretty busy acronym. I'm going to throw that mm-hmm. out there. That's, that's yep. It one. is. It is. Yep. And then the last one is targeted quality improvement efforts should be undertaken across the healthcare system to advance racial justice right. and health equity. And and you know I'm not tooting our own horn, but within our organization, I think we do practice that. Well, the reason you we know? we we do it. Almost inadvertently. Right. Because what we're interested in is outcome. We're an outcome-driven organization. And we're graded by quality score. And and we believe that we can change outcomes by the way we behave, right? We're not just saying by the way the patient behaves or who they are. And that's what gives us that level where we don't even have a chance to to demonstrate implicit bias because we don't walk into the room and see them. We're looking at outcome data. So I mean that's exciting. I mean that's a that's a lesson all in its all in itself. You yeah. know. No, I mean you're right. You know we, we can we can see that go. So we'll we'll see where this yep. goes. And there'll be organizations. Probably every healthcare organization mm-hmm. in the country will come up with plans. And if if they're not, they're being yep. quite irresponsible 
but but the AMA put out this plan, and you know maybe right. maybe it'll it'll carry. I mean, it's it's a little it's a little heady. It is, uh, it is. But, uh, but definitely definitely but glad that a big organization. Yes. Yeah, and and, yes. and, it, and it's the it's the headlines, yep. and it, it gets the conversations yep. going. So, well, you know, when good. when we look at what we do as an organization, Doctor Mark, we have HEDA scores, star scores, right. and these are quality metrics yep. that we're governed by sure. to make sure that we earn the shared savings and the surplus dollars for our doctors. Right. Right. And that's how we're graded. Right. So you we're know. not, yeah, we're yeah. not looking at, yeah. we don't get extra credit because right. someone that's right. has, has a certain socioeconomic, yep. you know, background. Exactly. Right? Exactly. So, yep. You know, jumping on to another topic, there have been a lot of health policy topics to watch in 2022. And I thought you and I'd kind of have a conversation about some of those, Dr. Mark. Fair enough. The first one is obviously the COVID-19 relief and all these waiver flexibilities. You know, the, uh, the, what is this? The emergency rule, the federal emergency rule is supposed to expire April 16th. All right. For the pandemic, for the pandemic. But now there are certain organizations trying to extend that through the end of the year. Yeah, and and I the reason is so they can continue right. to get these yeah. uh, waivers we in need, income. Yeah, yeah. We need the economy. I'm, I'm not, I'm not an expert in the field, but the economy yep. needs to yep. get back to its normal yep. habitat. That's, you know, that's we've, we've teetering have, on politics yeah, a little bit, yeah. but we've got to get people back to work. I mean, yep. they talk about getting back to the normal, right. and that's part of it, right? Because yep. people are talking about, well, I'm going to go travel again. Yep. Well, have you tried to book a flight, Larry? Exactly. I mean, have you tried yep. to, have you stayed at a hotel that yep. has the same services it used to no. have? No, they you don't know, have any services. They don't, they don't have employees. That's right. So we need or to, a restaurant. Yeah. 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 So, so re- really we're not going to get back to that new normal until yep. Yep. all aspects is it's our healthcare, yep. it's our economy. Everything has to yep. get back. And of course the, the next couple, I'm just going to jump together that build back better program by Biden, but in more important drug pricing reforms, I mean, we we talk about that almost every show, sure, Dr. Mark. Sure. No, they yeah, yeah. We we've got to stop paying for the world's yep. development costs exactly, and go ahead and, yep. and make fair yep. prices for for our citizens. Right. And then again, the next one is obviously shoring up the physician workforce. I mean, we know that uh, the shortage in nurses and doctors that's predicted over the next five to ten years is pretty staggering. Well, yet there was an article that was put out mm-hmm. uh, this year regarding emergency room physicians saying that there's going to be all these unemployed emergency room physicians in I forget if it was 2030. Mm-hmm. And so I've got students who are like, well, I'm not going to go into emergency physician training because I, I want to have a job. Right. And you know what's right. going to happen? Right. The complete opposite is going to happen because of the article, if nothing else. That's I mean, right. The article is right. either wrong or it's going to create the opposite to happen. That's right. That's right. And of course, uh, the continued uh, legislation and even some of the lawsuits we've talked about today regarding surprise billing and then that pr- price transparency. You know, if you remember, 14% of hospitals across the country actually are abiding by that law that went into effect yeah. January a year ago. That more people get vaccinated <laughs> than... That's right. <laughs> That's right. Very good. Medicare mm-hmm. Medicare cuts and physician pay, Yep. Um, those are... Can, Medicare Always continues the, to knock it down, and, right. and we say that's physician right. pay. It's like what their what their overall income is over the course of yeah. a year. Um, it's really one of the yeah. few few professions that keeps making right. less right. year after right. year. And you know, then going back to the drug pricing reforms, FDA user fee agreements. I mean, we're going to continue to see more and more legislation on that 
regarding clinical trials mm-hmm. uh, and uh, permanently remove some of the restrictions that have been put on Medicare and so create some new pathways going forward for new technology. Yeah, so we, we've got to yeah. support technology changes because yep. yep. that's that's going to be a big answer, yep. but we have to do that with some, some reasonable cost right. control. Right. Of course, we've always, we continue we to talk about, about equity. Equity in healthcare. Value-based payment reform. I mean, 50% of payers today have most, 50% of their patients are in some type of a value-based payment initiative. Yep. And then the last one mm-hmm. is the complete opposite of what we talked about when we opened the show today. That's right. That's market consolidation. Yep. And I did mention that market consolidation when I said in certain cities, you'll see one group that really takes off and consolidates, acquires, right. Right. pushes out of business. Yep. And here in Orlando, that is not the phase that we are in. No, you know? not at all. And, and I, I would look at the systems that are running the show, and I don't see a direction yep. where they come together. Right. Well, you know, I think it could be that the Orlando market – with all this boom that we've talked about is a little skewed in the national uh, perception because of the immense growth. We're looking at well, what, sure. 500 to a thousand yep. new people a month moving into central Florida. Yeah. Next, next, maybe next yeah. week we can get some data on like what our growth per year is okay. and compare yep. that to other cities. Because I know, you know, we were looking at in, in my field in, in pediatric mm-hmm. surgery, we're always interested okay. in what the growth is in zero to 17 year olds. Right. And right. for my entire career here, I mean, it's, it's been up and down, yep. but compared to the Northeast, I mean, the yep. Northeast, some cities in the Northeast are in a negative growth exactly. rate. Exactly. And so it'd be interesting to sort of come up with yep. where, where we stand. Well, California, Michigan, and New York have lost more people than they've ever lost in any year during these last couple of pandemic years. Lost as in not just population. Yeah, in population, they've population. left. They've gone. Yeah, they've, they've gone. Left. They've moved. They, they went to Arizona, worked. Texas, and Florida. Yep, yep. How about the Carolinas? They, they Carolinas too. That was yep. one of the fastest growing yep. as well. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. we're definitely going to see that, and yep. and that may be just that added piece yep. that makes Orlando yep. unique. But I think uh, economists would argue that that doesn't change market consolidation right. in the long run. Right. Well, Larry, we have been all over the book today. All over the place. I'm telling you, I hope the uh, listeners had a had a good time listening to us. But I certainly had a good time talking to you. Well, and I look forward to next week. We got I any topics? Too. We're going to talk about some uh, recent health policy news and some legislation that's going on. And we're going to continue to talk about all things healthcare, Doctor Mark. See you next week. See you next week. Thank you for joining us today on Healthcare Now. To find the answers you're looking for or have a question, you can reach Larry and Dr. Mark by emailing your questions and comments to follow us at healthcarenow.us. And we'll continue our discussion same time next week on navigating our complex healthcare system on Healthcare Now. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. 
with in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.